0: this week on the Recruitment Flex. Is Google testing paid ads? Don't get scammed with fake candidates. Is the four-day work week coming soon for everyone? And are you tired of having your 14-year-old at home? In some states, you can just send them to work. The Recruitment Flex starts right after these messages from our partner, Rectex. Shelly, let's face it,
1: Visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans.
0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour, and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge, and as always, joined by my lovely co-host, Shelley Billinghurst. Shelley, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good, Serge. So is this going to be a regular thing now that you open the show with your very charming French bonjour?
0: It is. It's now become a standard I think it, it's of the good. show. It's
1: good. Let's keep it. I know we don't actually script these things, but I really am loving opening the show with the bonjour.
0: Well, I've been trying to figure out for almost three years what a good opening is. And Bonshu is very natural to me. So why not? It gives us that distinct flavor. It's like the Howard Stern Hay Now, which didn't work out for us at all. I like this way better.
1: <laughs> it does feel more like us. Or it feels like you, for sure.
0: Yes. So there's a lot going on, Shelley. But I was yeah. curious. Have you been watching The Last of Us on HBO? So
1: I started watching it. I think I've watched the first two episodes and I thought it was okay. I mean, I was a big Walking Dead fan, big Walking Dead fan, but I started watching that and Brooke was like, mom, wait for me because she wanted to watch it with me, right?
0: I haven't watched it, but I have to. This is filmed Mm -hmm. in Alberta, Calgary, predominantly Canmore, Banff, and Edmonton, everywhere across the Alberta province. And it's the biggest show on TV right now from everything I'm reading. I don't like The Walking Dead. So I don't know if I'm going to like this or not.
1: Yeah. Well, do you know, the other thing I heard was John Hamm is in Calgary today filming. One of Brooklyn's friends, they own a pub just on the outside Kensington. And he goes there all the time. Brooklyn and I are planning to creep the place. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm convinced he's my next husband. Are you convinced? I think that'd
0: problem. be a great fit. I think John Ham is a perfect partner for you. If you start dating John Ham, I'm gonna have a crush on him too. Big fan so, of this man, Men Days. But I did see he was at the Calgary Flames game last night. I saw that on Instagram.
1: Yes, yeah, and and apparently he goes to the Kensington Pub all the time. I might be creeping him out there.
0: Please do let me, me know.
1: Yeah, speaking of great TV, or shall we say, well produced TV, Elena Valentine's company did an amazing ad for
0: vans corporation i think it's called like, vf corporation which <laughs> what's they own. it called vf corporation VF.
1: yeah but it's the parent company of vans
0: yeah it's vans north face timberland a lot of these outdoorsy yeah. type brands
1: what a great video does anybody as a kid dream of designing running shoes i don't know i guess they do <laughs> I, I think like, they oh, would
0: because there is this subculture of the sneaker community that just true. loves shoes, collects them, and it starts mm-hmm. really young. What I loved about this ad, and as you know, I do not generally like overproduce corporate videos, but this was different. This was so different because it really drew your emotion. I was watching it. I had goosebumps. It was so well done and really it was drew your attention of I need to work here. I almost quit my job that day and applied for a job at VF Corporation. Yeah. If you're doing a corporate recruitment video, you should hire that company. If you can't do it this way, do one that's produced internally, in-house, that's leveraging your employees. But this was one of the best videos I've ever seen. I'll put the link on LinkedIn so everyone can see it. So Tom Chevalier, I said it in French. I don't know if that's how he pronounced his name. He's the chief product officer at AppCast, our friends at AppCast. And today he had a very interesting share that he put on LinkedIn, which was basically a screenshot of Google for Jobs, a paid version. So sitting on top of the Google for Jobs widget, there is now a sponsored jobs section, which is a vertical type of ad placement. It looked like LinkedIn and ZipRecruiters were the two companies they are doing a test with it. But it's interesting because they launched Google for Jobs six years ago, and I think we've all been waiting for the monetization of Google for Jobs. Are they actually going to do it? I don't know. I think they're going to test to see how it works out, if there's actual potential. But I'm not 100% convinced that they're going to go full board with a paid version of it because Google for Jobs in its current form is still not great. but in perspective, this might explain the really quick implementation of cost per applicant for Indeed. Uh, They must have been seeing this coming down the pipeline. And obviously, Google, they already have the CPC model that they've been leveraging for 25 years. So I'm assuming this will be a very similar CPC service as they're doing on the consumer marketing side. What's your thoughts when you saw this?
1: What struck me first and foremost was that they're offering up apply through Zip or LinkedIn, which I thought, am I jumping to conclusions to think that it means that zip recruiters in bed with Google on this?
0: I, I think so. Yeah, what they're doing, and very similar to what Indy okay. did when they initially launched, they focused on job boards, right? To be able to get that mass. And I think they're doing the test with Zip and LinkedIn.
1: So that was interesting that... Zip would make that choice because we've been wondering why it's so quiet. They're not letting much out, certainly nothing to bolster confidence within their investor community. But then like you said last week, all the job boards are kind of in the same boat. But if they're quietly working behind the scenes to line themselves up with Google, that would make sense.
0: There's no strange bedfellows when it comes to going after Indeed. So it would make complete sense for Zip to partner with Google. And the same for LinkedIn as far as getting that traction. Really, it's everyone versus Indeed is the mentality out there. It'll be interesting to see as they get out of this trial phase. Indeed has been leveraging Google for jobs for the first time this year, like I said at the start, I don't know if it's actually going to come to fruition or it's just a test to see what the market potentially looks like, how it would flow, what's the candidate experience. None of us know that because all we have to go on right now is a screenshot by someone that found it probably by accident. Yeah. So I guess more to come. More to come. I can't wait to yeah. talk about this. So I'll keep you guys in the know, but Shelly, give us yes. the tip of the week.
1: Yeah, you know, we've talked a few times throughout the years about scammers, fake job ads, or fake candidates. But there was an article on Sherm this week that I guess maybe I don't have a criminal mind that kind of explained it to me for the first time where these scammers will spoof your employer brand, serve you a job, and get the job seeker to apply for the job. But what they're after is your personal private information. which they then use for illegal purposes of applying for jobs using your personal information. So I never made that connection before. This SHRM article talked about how to spot a fake job applicant, but I think it's equally important that job seekers also stay vigilant on what looks like a job posting, but isn't. It's a third party that is trying to grab your personal information. It seems like common sense, but as a job seeker, like if they're asking you for, you know, send us your resume and we'd like to make you the job offer, please send us your social insurance number. And now they've got you. If they're trying to create fake applicants to apply for jobs, it's usually IT jobs or something, right? Or someone looking to work illegally in the country. If they've got your social insurance number. Yeah, that's when the fraud happens. And it's happening more often than I've seen before, where they've even pulled the company logo and said, oh, congratulations, we'd like to offer you this job. Please fill in this form. So the tip of the week is take a close look at something that just seems a little off as a job seeker or as a company. We really need to start questioning things that just seem a little off.
0: Yeah, I think there's really a risk to companies and there's risk to the job seeker. And we've seen this for decades, right? That's why when you go on most major career sites, there's a scam warning message on pretty much every major company in the world. And I've seen it firsthand. Really, they don't only spoof your company. They'll find the HR manager and actually send the emails from that HR manager's name and go far enough that they will do interviews and actually do an offer letter. Then they start grabbing not only your social insurance number, your banking information, everything that you would provide to a company when you got hired. There's also the scam that we're seeing overseas where... Candidates go through the whole process and they pay to move to Canada or the US, being like, hey, for five grand, I'll get you a job in the US. You go through the process. In reality, they take their money and run. And then suddenly you get a call from a candidate being like, hey, you hired me. Like, what's the process of me moving to Canada? What do I need? When do I start? As a recruiter, like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Then when you start digging into, you find a lot more. So For companies, one of the things, and I see this in the job board space all the time, is fake candidates. There is what I call bot farms and scam farms. Usually it's in in the Middle East that I've seen it the most. They're basically sending thousands of candidates. And if you start opening the candidates, sometimes it's a blank resume or the resumes are exactly the same and there's a few things changed. As a company, definitely, if you start seeing a trend of applicants coming from a particular area, I'm pretty sure it's a scam. Be aware of that.
1: So I know this article did reference a specific situation where the State Department and FBI described North Korean workers impersonating non-North Korean nationals to gain employment in IT departments worldwide. And the advisory said the North Korean government has been deploying these workers to sell stolen data, provide support for cyber attacks, and assist in the funding and procurement of weapons of mass destruction. Okay, that escalated quickly. (laughs) There's a little more to this.
0: Well, you got to figure out a way how to make money if you're a closed society, (laughs) right? So,
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So this is way bigger than you and me.
0: It is way bigger, but I think the message is be very wary. There is a ton of job scams out there, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But I do want to jump into the recruitment insight. And our first topic is one that we haven't talked about in a long time. And that is the four-day work week. And the reason I want to talk about it is there's been a recent study that's made its rounds around the community. And let me give you some of the highlights. It's a four-day week global which is the organization ran a study of 61 UK companies who moved to a four-day, 32-hour work. We paid the same. The employee results weren't a surprise to anyone. Better sleep, less stress, better mental health, less resonation. But here is the shock, is revenue rose 35% at these companies on average. And 56 of those companies said, we're doing this forever. So the 35% additional revenue is a little bit like iffy in my mind, but the key point here is 56 out of the 61 companies said, we're sticking with this. This works for us. What's your first initial thoughts?
1: My first thought was who decided that 40 hours was what we had to go by. You know what I mean? If you can get as much productivity done in 32 hours, who says you got to work the extra eight? Like 32 hours a week may not be four days a week. It may be five days a week, but shorter days. You know, when you look around the world in different cultures, look at uh, Italian, French, even German culture. I think it's unique to North America that we demand 40 hours. It doesn't surprise me because this was 61 UK based companies. Yeah. And I think the big part of this is the fact that they went to 32 hour work week. And their pay stayed the same. Yeah, There's an incentive, even from a personal perspective, that my pay was not reduced, but my hours were. So I have more opportunity to be productive, and I'm actually making more money. If you work back mathematically, right? Doesn't surprise me if people are getting the same amount of work done in 32 hours. What that meant is that they were screwing the pooch for the other eight.
0: Well, I think that happens for human behavior in a tight timeline of getting things done. This is why it's so important to manage by deliverables and not the hours worked. There's always been wasted hours, both in the office environment and at the home environment. I can see this working. I can see this as a viable option. I think what we might start seeing is those companies that can't compete with the larger firms as far as brand recognition, salary benefits. This is a massive competitive advantage if you can execute on it.
1: Yeah. And do you know who does this already? If you look at how many hours per week somebody who works at, say, University of Calgary or City of Calgary, I do believe, and please, listeners, correct me if this has changed, but they have shorter work days and they don't work 40 hours a week, but their pay remains the same. That is really how they attract people is because it's time or money right? If you know you can essentially get your job done in 32 hours or leave every day at 3.30 and not battle rush hour traffic every day, that's an attractive factor for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, if I look at it, I'd be way more attracted to the four-day work week than shorter work days. Because if you're going to commute in and it takes you an hour each way, coming in for five hours seems kind of a waste of time for everyone. But The only caveat here is this study was done by an organization called four day week global. So I'm pretty sure they have a vested agenda of what they want, but on the flip side of it, I think there's enough data to show that there was value when 56 of the 61 Mm -hmm. companies decided to go with it. I think we should be testing here in Canada.
1: I think it is a practice already in some of the larger firms. I think government and not-for-profit, that is their way of competing. And I loved his closing line. He says, I promise you one thing. If business magnates of the 1900s had data to show them they'd be richer by working people less, they would have done it.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that LinkedIn post was done by James Hornick, basically recapped the whole study. Great job on it. Yeah. Do you want to jump into the next recruitment insight? Yeah. In you know, we've been talking about the talent scarcity that's out there and that's not going mm-hmm. to change for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Well, um, at least the next 10, for sure. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. But you know what they're doing in the US? So instead of paying adults more, which there's actually a ton of research in the states that want to do this, if they were paying adults more, they would have. No issues filling those roles. What they're trying to do is letting companies hire kids as young as 14 to fill the labor shortage. So let me read a little bit. Republicans in some states are proposing exceptions to child labor regulations. That's because the labor shortage has impacted industries like meatpacking and construction. Research shows that these industries could attract adult workers if they increase their pay and benefits. This is primarily happening in Iowa and Minnesota. Isn't the job board doctor from, is it Idaho or is it Iowa? I get them confused. There's two two different places. That's okay. I, I know they are, but where is he from?
1: <laughs> I think he's in the potato state of
0: Iowa. Oh no, that's Idaho is the potato state, isn't it? I don't know. Anyways, sorry, <laughs> Jeff, if okay, you're listening. we all failed. Yeah, we failed. We all failed.
1: Well, no, it's not just them because there was a U.S. Department of Labor news release that talked about one of the U.S.'s largest food safety sanitation services providers. They were hit with $1.5 in penalties, which equated to $15,000 for each minor aged employee. And this was like a meatpacking plant. They had 13 meat processing facilities in eight states and employing over 102 children from age 13 to 17 in hazardous occupations, including working the overnight shift. (laughs) This is bad. Like when you've got 13 to 17 year old kids running razor sharp saws and meat processing equipment in an overnight shift. Oh my God, what were they thinking?
0: Well, so I didn't read that, but I'm assuming they did this illegally, right? Because the law has not been passed to allow these minors to be working in those types of operations. What I'm reading here is so lawmakers in Iowa and Minnesota have introduced legislation in the last month proposing exceptions to child labor regulations. In their respective states. So Minnesota lost 90,000 workers during the pandemic and Iowa was 75,000. So this is their solution. Let's just get kid. Can you, Shelly, can you imagine a 13, 14 year old working in a meat packing plant? Like,
1: what I just, the fuck? I, in an attempt to save money? What's the penalty? Do you think a $1.5 million penalty and some public shaming is really going to have an impact what's that to them imagine what they saved well my question not only here, in wages.
0: my question is yeah. which parents are allowing their 14 year old kid to go work in a meatpacking plant it might just you know, privilege to think that i would never allow my kids to ever of do course in that in that time environment
1: no of course we wouldn't however if you're looking at a family whose maybe total income is well below poverty then hell yes, those kids are going to get out and work or the family doesn't eat. There's a pretty sizable percentage of the population that does live below poverty, that if you can send your kid out where nobody's going to see them, 14 years old to go work the night shift at the meat packing plant, then you'll do it. And when you think about it, a lot of families, it would be horrible, but faced with no alternative,
0: it's that or starve. You might be living below <laughs> the poverty line, but... You go work at the meat packing plant and work two shifts. Then some people would say, well, when I was young, I worked at 14. Yeah, you worked at 14. You either worked on the family farm, on the family farm or <laughs> yeah, as a babysitter exactly. or yeah. a summer camp counselor. Yeah. Those are the type of jobs that we worked when we were 14. We didn't work yeah. in a meatpacking plant.
1: Oh, my God. I know. We're in a bubble, though, Serge. If you look at the economy as a whole and society as a whole, this Business Insider article talked about the fact that they're doing it because of a worker shortage that they're tabling changing the law for hiring children because of a worker shortage. No, no. Like but the, the thing is, too. Is
0: the data is very clear in those states that if they paid more, they would have the people working. That is the biggest challenge. Just mm-hmm. proven that, hey, if you paid a living wage, you would have no problem finding enough people to fill those roles. So instead of paying wow. 3 yeah. $4 extra an hour, they rather get people working at 14. And this is where it gets really ugly to me is they're giving them the ability in this legislation, if it goes through, that if anything happens to the kid, they can't sue. If there's an accident, that kid gets his arm cut off, there's no liability to the employer, which is even more insane. Anyways, I need to move away from this because it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it is upsetting for sure. Are you familiar with the term internal mobility? It's like a big topic in HR right now. Like, what do you do to develop people that currently work for you? Do you offer any sort of career progression? Do you have to stay in the role you were hired in and that's where you stay and that's the job you do until you retire? Solving talent within your own organization and again, tied right back to labor shortage or just not enough workers with the type of skills your organization needs. Internal mobility, if done right, ensures that people can see a path to advance their careers within the company that they currently work for. This study said so many companies just fail at this. But if you happen to be working for a company that does this well, that is, people can see that there is other roles, new things that I can learn. There's a career path, there's an advancement. Not only do you benefit from more engaged employees, but it's a big selling feature for your talent acquisition team because so few people do it well. And one of the reasons people will leave where they are now is because they don't see a future. This, I think, is probably one of the best tools to use to attract people.
0: Well, as we both know, we've talked to... Thousands of candidates throughout the year. One of the things that we hear is, what are the opportunities for growth within the organization? Where can I go? Sure, I'll start as a coordinator, but what are the opportunities to move up? And we know that's one of the number one factors of someone choosing to go work for your company But what it says here is most companies don't even list that, or if they list it, it's very vague. Mm -hmm. If you do a scan of all the biggest companies and you look through their job ads, you're going to see robust compensation, benefits package, safe and inclusive work, strong values. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you rarely see the one thing that job seekers want to go. If I'm going to go work for your company, well, how can I grow? And then When we talk about job hoppers, if there is no opportunity to grow after two years, you've mastered your job. Well, you want to move on to something else, especially when you're young in your career. This is a time to gather as many skills and experience as possible, get enough breadth and depth. And if you can't offer that within your company, well, you're going to lose them. And. To your point, internal mobility is something that I don't really get involved. I'm way more attracted to the getting the people signed into the organization and letting mm-hmm. HR figure out how they move forward. I haven't seen many companies that can actually do it correctly and really give the insights to that employee. What a year from now looks like five years, what skills do they need to get to the next part? So I agree. If it's something within your organization that you do really well, man, advertise the shit out of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody's doing it, I think this study found that only nineteen percent of people that they surveyed said that they could actually see a path to advance their career where they currently work. Yeah, and then thirty percent said never. <laughs> they never see anything. God, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> It wouldn't be hard to stand out in a sea of sameness if your company does this really well.
0: And this can apply to small and medium and large enterprise and how you approach it. Even if you're 10 employees, you can show some type of path to enhance skills, enhance job, enhance title. So it's absolutely critical.
1: Again, I think this is where small to medium sized business, meaning that sweet spot of 200 to 500 employees, that's who does this really well. You may start as a reception, and before you know it, you're director of HR. Exactly. In five years, it's possible. It is. If you're smart and ambitious, work hard, it's possible. Much more possible than if you're with a major big five. It's pretty rare that you would be able to make that many moves in five years.
0: It depends on the company. Yeah, Yeah. there is some large organizations that are growing quickly, but definitely... Last thing I want to talk about is, well, you love ChatGPT and I love it too. I get this question quite a bit is like, should I use ChatGPT to write my resume? And my initial gut instinct was like, probably not. But now, no, I think you should because we're all pretty bad at creating resumes. like Why not leverage a tool like ChatGPT? And there was a recent survey done by Mm -hmm. ResumeBuilder.com. And 46% reported using ChatGPT to write resumes or cover letters or vote. Of those candidates, 70% received a higher response rate from employers and 69% were hired. Only 11% failed to obtain a job when interviewer discovered they had used ChatGPT. Don't you have an example of someone that uh, applied to one of your roles using ChatGPT? Absolutely. And rose to make it to the
1: shortlist. So this does make sense to me, Serge, because we know that writing a resume is not a skill. We may have taken a class or two in high school about how to write a resume, but it's not something you do every day. Like how often would you write a resume in your whole career? Well, if you change jobs three times in 20 years, why would you expect somebody to be good at it? bonus points for using ChatGPT, because first of all, they understand that this is a new tool. It shows that they're being resourceful. It shows that this is somebody who's adaptable. And what we don't want is for you to send us a resume that's 20 pages long that lists every single thing you did. We want to see what is relevant to the role we're trying to fill. I mean, if you have ChatGPT Assist, I'm not saying write it for you, but Assist This survey is absolutely spot on that 70% received a higher response rate and 59% of those got hired. Okay, you know what? Job seekers certainly should take advantage of this if you're being resourceful and if you're using it as an assist, not write it for you because you'll fail the interview if you're just telling it, write a resume to respond to this job ad. Versus here's the job ad. Here's my resume. What should I highlight in my accomplishments?
0: And and honestly, I don't know what the difference of leveraging this compared to leveraging resume writer or the resume coaches or whatever the Mm cases I actually Mm -hmm. trust this way more Because you're going to get advice from most resume coaches that have never been recruiters. They don't even know what an ATS, but they'll tell you that I write resumes that overcome the ATS bot, which is not a thing, or my resumes will get you in the hidden job market. ChatGPT is just going to give you a good resume, which is what you need through your apply process. So, yeah, use it. Like, I don't know what would be the difference. If we're going to be in a position that we think resumes written by ChatGPT are bad, well, how do we feel about people that have their resumes written by a professional that does resumes? Like, what's the difference? I actually would prefer the person with ChatGPT. GPT.
1: Yeah. Exactly, because it's not writing it for you. You still have to give it a foundation to build on. Yeah, you've got a foundational document, but sometimes your job titles just don't correlate with what you actually did. And that's another kind of fault within the whole HR recruitment job descriptions and job titles is they created a job title to explain what you do only in context of the company you work for. Outside of that, nobody knows what the hell you did. I think it's a great tool, but it's just that, to use it to help you get better.
0: You know what's really cool? There's a tool based in AI. It's called Job Scout, And in our show episode notes, I'll put the link to it. But basically what it does is you can take all your jobs with either the job description or the LinkedIn link and load in your resume. And it's going to do two things. It's going to track all the jobs you've applied to, right? Which is actually really nice if you're applying to a lot of jobs. But it will take the job description and your resume and show the skills that you're lacking for that particular job and how you could potentially highlight other skills, both on your resume and your cover letter. So as a job seeker, that's a fantastic tool to leverage. Knowing okay, I'm missing these skills from the resume. Do I have them? Because you might. You don't list every skill, but say they're asking something specifically that's kind of nuanced and you haven't put in a resume. Well, this is an opportunity to add it. So there is tons of tools that are coming out that are going to help job seekers, which I think is great for us because I hate going through shitty resumes. And sometimes I feel guilty because the resume is bad, but I'm like, I think they could be good. So I still will reach Mm -hmm. out to them. But if all the resumes were good, it would actually help me. I wouldn't be biased against someone writing a bad resume thinking, well, they must be shit at their job.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think bonus points.
0: Bonus month. Fantastic. Shelly. Search. Are we done? (laughs) Yeah, we're done. We're done. It's almost spring. Things are going to start melting. We're going to get sun, nice days, hopefully soon. Do you know, I find March a torturous month just in
1: this part of the country, because if you even go out to Vancouver in March, it's green, it's beautiful. Things are coming back to life. But in this particular part of the country, March is still a very depressing month. April is when I start to feel like, oh, okay, there's hope. Not everything is still dead and brown from the winter. So no, March for me is the month I want to go live
0: somewhere else. Well, that's a very depressing take, Shelly. I was (laughs) pretty excited about March and April, but now I'm like, oh, but the snow is melting. We'll start seeing green. I I like it. So Shelly, enjoy your weekend and we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you, Serge. Bye now. How much do you understand the future of finance?